Yes, you, you lucky sausage. You found the Talk Marketing Show, where the League of Marvelous Marketeers give up everything you need to be more successful in your business. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, Hello there, my name is Martin Henley. This is the Effective Marketing YouTube channel. This is episode, I think we're up to number 23 of my talk marketing series. If you have been looking at this channel at all, you'll know that I am on a mission to help you to be more successful. I want you to be more successful. And on top of that, what I want to do is pull in anyone I can find who also might have something that will help you to be more successful. And I have another victim for us this week. It's been a while since we've recorded one of these, but we are recording one of these this week. And I'm on a mission to have a series. We are officially into... What do they call it? We are into season three of Talk Marketing with number 23. And today the topic is PR. And I have managed to coerce somebody who has been in PR for 25 years, has been running her own PR business for 17 years, um, is described by one of her recommendations on LinkedIn as a force of nature. And you might want to believe that she's a force of nature because she is also a AWPC world powerlifting champion. Um, this is all true. She also has a weird penchant for big rabbits, which we might find out about today. My guest today from Anila Rose PR is Anila Rose. Hello, Anila Rose. <laughs> Hello, Martin. Hello. How nice How to you? be invited. I'm, I'm really, really well, thank you. Yes. Excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Like, I really am excited to have these conversations, especially with you, because I know that you are a little bit of a, um, what do you call yourself? What did you call yourself when we were talking last week? We don't need to go into that necessarily. You're a bit of a character, to say the very least. <laughs> World champion powerlifter. Come on. How did that never come up in conversation? I know. I know. I try not to talk about it too much because people don't believe me. So um, The thing yeah, is, I barely believe it. I found it because I was just looking, thinking, what am I going to say about Anila before we start talking? And I'm like, what? Because we did meet, didn't we, years and years and years ago. I'm sure we met once at least. And you didn't yes. strike me as being very big. It's certainly not powerlifter kind of size. <laughs> now I've grown since then, Martin. <laughs> Have you? You've grown up. Okay, that's cool. That's really I've grown cool. Up. Yes, yes, yeah. No, it's um something I do on the side, you know, just to keep me uh, kind of ticking over, as it were, physically and mentally. But it's um it's believe it or not, it's something I fell into by accident, as you do, uh, and. Um, What's been brilliant is that with all the stuff that's been going on with the business and just life generally, to have something on the side like uh, like the lifting that I do has been fantastic. 
um, for me to have some kind of release away from work. Um, and the, and the, the lifting, the power lifting is something that's just kind of developed and grown and kind of stayed with me now uh, for the last, goodness, I've lost track of time, but I think it's must be about six or seven years now that I've been doing it. Um, and it's, I have noticed that since having that as my kind of release mechanism from the stresses of work, it's actually helped me to be better at my job and actually be more confident, believe it or not, to be um, physically uh, in, a, in a more healthy place as well, but also mentally. So that's why I've continued to do it. And it just so happens that I, I am freakishly strong, <laughs> Are you which really? I didn't know. Because like being a world champion, that isn't like, I mean, you say you fell into it by accident, what you were walking past someone who was doing some powerlifting and they dropped their, <laughs> their, their weights and you're like, oh, let me get those for you. Are yeah, you seriously freakishly strong? Is that what's going on? Yeah, like world yeah, champion? No, I had no idea. Yes. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. I got the, um, I got the British records and then, um, uh, yeah, I got, uh, got the world championships. Now it's a bit like boxing in that it's, um, you're, it's, you're competing against, um, a similar size of, uh, athlete. Um, so it's to do with your age, you're bracketed within age and weight. So it's a very fair sport. So it's not as okay. though, um, I'm competing against 20 somethings who are three times bigger than me. Um, I'm competing against, you know, women that are similar size to me and in a, a, an age bracket similar. So it's very, it's very fair. But yeah, okay. it, it just, just really quickly, it just happened. Just to answer the question about how I got into it. It was basically, um, I actually believe in or throw the javelin and have done for a number of years, but um, I was injuring my throwing arm um and as because i'm not a spring chicken anymore and so my javelin coach said to me anila get down the gym strengthen your shoulders you're not young a youngster anymore you're a lady of age <laughs> um he diplomatically put so i got down the gym got myself a personal trainer and actually he took me to that part of the gym that a lot of people stay away from or certainly a lot of females do um where the heavy weights are and he got me to do a squat which is the one where you put the barbell on your shoulders and you squat down low and the very first squat i did was 50 kilos and that was almost my body weight which is just around eight stone and he said to me oh my lord Anila you're really strong do you realize and I didn't know and basically it started from there that's what happened I then just got addicted to heavy weights and got better and better and stronger and stronger and then he said right I'm putting you in for a competition because you're you're really strong and we need to show you off to the world so that's what happened wow that's incredible. So there might be other people walking around who also don't realise how strong they are. Yeah, completely. And actually, as a result of me talking about it quite a lot, so I do quite a bit of public speaking. Um, I try and inspire others, particularly people from, you know, the Indian subcontinent. So from Pakistani, Indian, Bangladeshi, Sri Lankan backgrounds, um, you know, to try and give it give it a go because there are barriers in the way of females from um, an Asian background uh, to enter the sport. So if I can open doors, which I already have done by talking about it, then that's just incredible for me. And, and also youngsters getting into the sport as well. 
um, for me, I have just seen so many benefits from doing it, you know, and that's why I've carried on doing it. I have changed as a person from doing this sport. And wow. physically, physically, my physique has changed completely. I am not a bodybuilder, so it's not weightlifting. It's not bodybuilding. Powerlifting is very, very different. Um, it is literally just three disciplines. And basically, you pick up as heavy a weight as you possibly can just once. That's all powerlifting is. Um, it's one heavy weight across three disciplines. And um, it's, um, it's, it, it, it's really, really good for a female um, physique. And I don't do any other exercise other than lift heavy weights. And I do it when I'm competing. I train five times a week for an hour. And that is more than enough, more than enough to keep my shape in trim. You know, I weigh eight and a half stone and I am lifting on a deadlift over 18 stone. And that is the, the British record. 120 kilos is the British record for my weight class and age class. And that's the record I hold. And it is totally possible because as you said, I'm not, I'm actually very petite. I am a small individual. You would look at me and you wouldn't think that I'm able to pick up a giant uh, bunny rabbit. <laughs> okay, which is the other thing. So, okay, so do we, we just really want to, people... to talk about rabbits now? <laughs> well, I think I think people should know that you've got two giant rabbits in your house, and that they're only just learning to jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I've always wanted to have um, giant continental uh, bunny rabbits, and finally, <laughs> my husband has succumbed and said, "Okay, you can push me aside, wife. You can let the giant bunny rabbits take over." And they have. So yeah, they are just. You're probably wondering why the hell have you got bunny rabbits, Anila? Um, people don't realise that you can train them. You can train them like cats in that they can use litter trays. They'll go and do their business in the corner. And then you can also train them like dogs so you can get them to do tricks. <laughs> so that's, wow. my, that's my mission. But these things are giants. These things are giants. Yeah, they're giants. So, so they're... Okay, yeah, good. <laughs> how yeah, giant, giant are they? Just How big are they going to be, these rabbits? Well, firstly, how big does your husband think they're going to be? And then how big are they actually going to be? <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Oh, so they are, well, they're 13 weeks old um, at the moment. And they are probably already a foot and a half in length. So that's and bigger than gonna... most rabbits. Most rabbits are a foot tops, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So I believe I've not had giants before from but from talking to people and looking them up and talking to the breeders and that they're going to grow to up to four feet in length <laughs> and they're potentially going to weigh up to a stone, uh, depending on how much food I give them. <laughs> wow. So how so, tall are you? How tall am I? I yes. I? I'm five foot, five foot two. So, so you're going to be 14 inches taller than these things. I hadn't thought about that, Martin. But yes, you're right. You should have, because they're living in your house. They're going to be house rabbits. You should have thought about that, I think. But thankfully, you are freakishly strong. So I don't think you'll have an issue with the rabbits. 
<laughs> yeah, my children are um, kind of walking about with the rabbits on their shoulder so that you can handle them. They're so docile. They're really friendly as well. Giant, giant rabbits are probably the friendliest, one of the friendliest breeds of bunny rabbit. So you can handle them and it, they're just delightful. And, you know, with all the stresses of, of life over the past couple of years, we just felt as a family um, to get a pet, to get pets um, to live with us um, would be a really nice thing. And we're not really into cats and dogs. Um, a dog would be too much responsibility for us at the moment. Cats are not really our thing. Uh, we've had guinea pigs and hamsters. So rabbits for us just seem to be that kind of middle ground, really. And we've we've rescued rabbits now for, gosh, 20 years. So there's an animal rescue centre called Raystead in Sussex. And uh, we've had a number of rabbits that we've looked after and adopted from Raystead rescue rabbits for years now. But we've been without rabbits now for about four years, so we were missing them. So I thought, right, we'll get some giants. So there we are. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> Powerlifting world champion, huge rabbit keeper of huge <laughs> rabbits. Good. I think it's going to be interesting. We're here, of course, to talk about PR. And it's been so long since I've done this. There's only four or five questions, and I think I might have forgotten. them. First question is how are you qualified to talk to us about PR? The second question is kind of who are your clients and how do you add value to them in your in their lives and their businesses? The third question is what is your recommendation for people who maybe are thinking about whether PR should be something that they're doing? And it kind of has been the recommendation of what's been going on during the pandemic and stuff, but I'm just bored of that now. So let's just pretend the pandemic's not happening. It's how do people get into PR and how do they get value from it? And then the fourth question is... Is that four or five? The fourth or fifth question is, who do you know who might also succumb to this terrible experience that I'm putting you through today? So the question number one is, how are you qualified to talk to us about PR? So for all my sins, I kind of um, got into PR um through uh, studying uh, marketing and PR at university. And it was the PR element of my degree that I just seemed to take a natural uh, taking to, uh, a real affinity for understanding storytelling. Uh, something that has just come to me uh, naturally and actually has come into its own since having had children as well and just actually being able to kind of pull words out from kind of thin air and kind of string them together and then create a story that I think can be interesting. Um, certainly my children are kind of mesmerized by some of my, um, my, well, by my imagination really. So I kind of realized through my degree um, that words and communicating and influencing people's opinion and thinking and persuading them to what my thoughts are was something that was quite skillful that I had. I could see that through my degree when I was doing my presentation. So when I graduated, I applied for different jobs and I got uh, my first PR job within aviation. And um, I'd never uh, worked in PR before. I just kind of touched on it in my degree, but managed to convince the people interviewing me that I was worth hiring and I got my first PR job 
uh, with an aviation company, very technical company working in flight simulation primarily. And it was business to business, um, targeting airlines and pilots um, and the military. And I just took to it like a duck to water and I managed to get uh, my company. I worked in-house um, onto BBC Breakfast News. They were looking for a small manufacturing company to feature um, live as the budget was being announced. And this was back in 1996. And um, I had never done PR before and I managed to get the company live on BBC Breakfast to comment on the budget. And the reaction that I got from the company directors after the event was so positive that the buzz that the whole company had, the feeling that I got um, as being the instrumental person behind raising my company's profile nationally on TV, gave me that buzz that has never left me. And I remember it to this day. And that, that for me was it. So in 1996, I got that company on national TV. I'd never done PR before. That made me realize I was good at what I, I, I did and that I could go somewhere with this. And that, and that was really the start. And so I, from then on, just stayed in PR, worked my way up the career ladder, worked for different companies, um, and then set up my own business in 2004 after working in-house for eight years and working my way up the career ladder. Um, my final job before I set up on my own was head of marketing and PR for an IT company. And um, yeah, started working for myself in 2004. And 17 years later, I'm still here. Wow. Okay, cool. So that's really, that's really interesting. It's really, it is exciting like that when you have some fantastic success for a client or for a boss or for something like that. So that makes sense to me. That is tremendously exciting. I've got a little bit of an issue with PR. I've got, you'll, you'll come to learn that I've got a few issues in life. Most the people do are, with PR. Right. So, yes. The thing is, like, the reason I want to do this, the reason I want to make all of this content available is because it seems to me that people don't like marketing. And for me, PR is a part of marketing. You can tell me if I'm wrong or otherwise. But for me, it kind of is, for me, it is part of it. I think if people understood it better, but more importantly, if they actually made the investment in it, then they would be more successful. I think that's the only way for people to be more successful. And that's why I'm kind of on this mission to try and make it accessible and knowable and something that people are happy to invest in. When it comes to PR, I don't think people know what PR is at all. And I think there are kind of facets to PR and like I think of like different people like Max Clifford, for example, I think he might be in prison now, but he was always described as a PR guy. So it would be really useful to hear from someone who's done this for 25 years, actually what PR is. Yeah, it's um, you're absolutely right. I think 
people don't really understand what PR is. Heck, I didn't know what PR was until I kind of started touching on it in my degree. And then when I got my first job in PR, even when I had my first job in PR, I didn't really know what PR was until you start doing it. Like most things in life, you don't really fully appreciate what it entails. So it's something that I've, I continually learn even now. 25 years later, PR has changed and we'll come on to that, I think a bit later, but PR, in essence, when I get asked what PR is, and it's funny because you're so right, Martin, people don't get what PR is. In fact, my mum, bless her, still tells her friends that Anila works in computers. You know, she, she doesn't know what PR is and I have explained it to her over the years, but she sees me working on a computer all the time. And so she thinks I work in computers and that's fine, mum, because that's part of the job anyway. But PR, I mean, in essence, you'll see, you'll hear about this, you know, it is about the storytelling. So when I tell my children what I do, I tell them, you know how mummy tells you stories um, that help you go to sleep at night, or sometimes they don't, sometimes they keep you awake if they're scary stories, because that's what they're after at the moment. It's about that storytelling. And it's about convincing people that what you're telling them is is real and that it's making them feel something so when i'm telling you a story and it's making you feel happy it's making you feel good or it's scaring you because you want to have a scary story at halloween how that's making you feel that's pr it's it's provoking an, an emotion a feeling a sense within you and anything that does that is pr it's really quite simple and so we're exposed to pr every single day in some shape or form um you know at the moment you're being exposed to pr through just talking to me because hopefully it's making you feel something i won't ask you how i'm making you feel right now but you're going to be feeling some sort of emotion maybe quite exhilarated excited interested you might get a bit bored maybe from hearing from me in the next hour i don't know some kind of emotion so it's about it's about image shaping it's about persuasion and i think there's a lot of confusion i think around what the difference is between pr and perhaps like you mentioned marketing or advertising that's the biggie and there's a lot of confusion around what differences between advertising and pr that's huge and the way that i kind of describe the differences is that pr is I kind of like, we all like food, we can all relate to food. And I kind of relate it a bit to food in that PR tastes great. If PR is done well, you know, if it was like food, it, it, it tastes, it tastes like chocolate. PRs like chocolate. Let's think of PR as chocolate. We all love, most of us love chocolate, it tastes great. It makes us feel good. We want more of it. It's addictive. Advertising is less filling. Advertising I describe as being like a salad. So it's kind of there and you've kind of think it's kind of good for you, I suppose, you know, you, you kind of got to have it really now and again, because it's better for you. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't fill you up in a way that good PR really will, because good PR, effective PR makes you come alive. It makes you feel something. It makes you act. Um, you will act from that, whether that, that action might be that you'll go and talk to someone about what it is you feel right now. It could be that, you know, what you've just seen or heard or felt has made you want to share that with others. And that's PR. And you're going to share it with others because you want to influence them. 
So I've just eaten a really amazing chocolate bar. Now my favorite chocolate is Link chocolate. And whenever I eat Link chocolate by Lindor, you know, I, I, God, I either go really, really quiet because it's my moment and I'm just relishing it. And that's the chocolate feeling. That's PR. Lindor have made an amazing, it's amazing PR around the taste of this chocolate. But then I'll always go and tell others, you know, you know, God, I feel amazing having eaten this amazing chocolate. So it's, um, yeah, PR is, it's a, it's a funny, it's, it's, it's a funny one. Um, but done well, it is so effective and it's quite addictive, it's contagious, and that's why PR can be so effective when done well. So working with a company that understand PR at that level is really important. Oh, good. That is a great, I will never forget the time you told me about the PR lint chocolate and the advertising salad. I will never forget that now. So this Does that make is, sense? Does that make it, sense, Martin? Does it? Yeah. It it, it, it it makes sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to the world, because to the world <laughs> it might sound a bit like like what we do is really luscious and tasty and advertising that other thing you might spend your budget on that's not very satisfying at all. But it makes sense to me. Good. So I think that's kind of a traditional a PR. Like that's traditionally what we would have known PR to be. Like, so traditionally, I think of PR as being, well, I think there's the two flavors for a start. And I think you're right. The world has evolved and it has yeah. um, like these things that you're talking about have new terms now, but are, are like key components, I think, of digital marketing, which is kind of what I do or what I teach people to do. Um, so that's good. So the two, the two flavors, so the luscious tasty flavor, which I think you do and traditional one, we'll come back to that. But the salady one is the, the, the thing that, what's his name? The guy just mentioned Max, Matt. Oh, Max uh, Clifford. Max Clifford. Yeah. So that's what has become known as reputation management. So that was always kind of buddying up to the press so that you could get the press to write nice things about your clients. So that's the, that's the salad version of traditional PR. And I always thought of your version of PR as being um, like also being mates with journalists, having a lot of lunches. But m the key skill I always understood was to be able to find a story in the business, to be able to make a business newsworthy so that then you could go to your mates, the journalists, and actually get it published. So that's that's kind of my traditional understanding. Yeah, so I can just expand on that because I didn't really touch on that, did I? I kind of make assumptions that people know, and you're absolutely right. So PR, um, let's just quickly just talk about P P actual PR. You're right, it's about finding a story. So PR is finding a story. Um, it's then kind of making sure that once you've got a story that you've, you're sending it to the right journalists. So looking at who the influencers are, but also knowing who you need to be, who's going to be reading that story, your prospects, your customers, who are they? So you marry up the right story. So our job really is to recognize what is actually a story. Who's going to be interested in that story? Who do we need to influence and how are we going to get that story out? So that's where what you're talking about here is the traditional PR and then the modern PR, which is more digital PR. 
those kind of go hand in hand now and that the digital side is what's evolved and changed enormously and it's where I've had to relearn my my trade over the past um, kind of almost 10 years now I'd say but certainly in the last few years it's evolving at such a fast pace because there's so many different types of outlets now where you can get your story out um, so we have to really you know that the pace of change in PR um, has is literally it's just at warp speed now if you're a trekkie you'll know what I mean it's just literally staying in touch with those different platforms different avenues to get your story out is is quite hard work now for a PR agency it's taking a lot more time you need to have the right resources in place now within an agency who are digitally savvy um, and that's different to traditional PR so my team is actually split between traditional and um you know like literally getting on the phone talking to journalists and sending out press releases uh, compared to digital which is more about the online the social the website the seo that side of it which is the digital side of it yes um, but the two the two working hand in hand if you can nail that then you have got all your bases covered really but finding the right journalists, finding the right influencers, and also doing your research. PR is about research, and we are a very research-led led agency. So before we do any outreach, before we reach out to journalists and the media, we do our research. So PR is about kind of working out, doing, doing maybe, maybe a market survey, you know, doing surveys, finding out what the appetite is of your audience. You know, what are they reading? Where are they going to get their news? And then if you can marry up and send out your story to the right news outlet, you've nailed it really as a PR agency. And, and that's really what we do. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it, it can be quite complicated and there's a lot of work involved. But once you've nailed it, you really can get fantastic PR results off the back of it. Excellent. Okay, so before we talk about the way that it has changed, because the whole thing has changed, like the whole the whole the whole definition of media has changed in the last 15 years you know so so clearly that's changed i just want to make this distinction between pr and advertising so the reason that advertising is so much less valuable so much less nutritious is because you are essentially paying to be on those same pages of that media or in the ad breaks if it's tv media or whatever it might be, you're paying to be there and everyone knows you're only there because you've paid. So what you get with PR essentially is you get the media channel, newspaper, radio station, television, whatever. Essentially, when, you're, when you do PR, you get their endorsement of what you're doing yeah. essentially is what's going on. So Yes, Martin. Yeah, exactly. It's paid versus unpaid. Yes. Um, in, in essence, you know, uh, what they call earned versus purchased. Yes. Um, and there is a difference with PR and advertising in, in, in completely in that, in that respect. A hundred percent. Okay. So what you get is the kudos of being on breakfast TV. You don't get any kudos from being in the ad break at, at seven o'clock in the morning. That's the major difference. Okay. So let's talk about how, how this has changed then. Because... And also, we probably need to make a distinction between a PR company and a copywriter because I think some people confuse those two things. So the ability to write doesn't make you 
a PR, that makes you a copywriter. Yeah, there is an absolute difference. And in the agency, we have copywriters and we have PR uh, managers, PR execs, um, and they are two different jobs. And I think I have actually made mistakes in the past where I felt that maybe a copywriter or a PR person could do everything. Um, and um, that's not always the case. I think it's, it, I've, I've been fortunate. I have had some people that can do uh, can do both, but it's quite rare. Um, they are two different things. Um, having someone a PR person that can actually write really good copy as well as speak the journalist language is a real a real skills you know and um, it, it's it, being able to pitch a story because PR is about persuasion in all its forms so being a a very good PR person is the ability to recognize a story being able to then um, write that story down in a way that is going to be easily understood by the audience, but also the journalist. Remember, we've got to convince the journalist to write about our story and include it in their um, publication, whether that's online print, wherever that happens to be. We've got to convince them. So we need to find out about um, the journalist as well. And often journalists are writers themselves. So actually being able to write really good copy in the language that the journalist is going to under, understand is really key. But yeah, being able to pitch out and being a bit of a salesperson ourselves uh, is what the key skill is for a PR person. And then a copywriter is about writing really relatable copy. Um, but you have to do your research. It's all about research. Whether you're a copywriter or a PR person, you've got to do your research beforehand. And that's what sets you apart. Okay, good. And so then the other distinction or the other thing that's probably worth saying is what you're not talking about is, is, is spamming people with press releases in the hope that something might get published and relying on lazy journalists in not very good media outlets yeah. just turning around to your press release and hoping that they'll 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 yeah. publish it verbatim so there, there's absolutely. a distinction to be made there yeah yeah absolutely and again that comes that comes back to the research again so less is more and, and the kind of work that we do um is very targeted so it's all about the targeting. And, and you know this, Martin, from the work that, that you do as well, um, that the more that you can uh, create a bespoke campaign and bespoke work and really target your journalists, target your ultimate audience that you're looking to convert opinion around is, um, is your research. So once you've done that, it's all in the preparation beforehand, then you can really target your story to the right journalist, right publication, um, and you're going to get the right type of coverage as a result. Because ultimately, PR for us as an agency is about getting quality uh, press coverage. So we want to get the, the press clipping at the end of the day. PR is about getting that coverage in the magazine or outlet or online, wherever, it, wherever, whatever our is in our plan. So, yes, you're absolutely right. OK, good. Are you ready for a challenge? Did I tell you this was going to be challenging? It's not going to be like picking up 25 kilos. <laughs> that would be easier. Kilos. That would be easier. Yeah. Okay, so I think that the perception of those people who are involved in marketing is that P 
PR is perhaps okay so let's make this really challenging they might think that it is kind of a vanity thing they might think that it is a fluffy thing and they might think that it is an unmeasurable thing so people might think that the PR is a nice to have yeah. so from my perspective I'm a digital marketer engaging in PO, PR would be pretty low on my list of priorities because I know that there's much more I can do for my clients that will give me the immediate perceivable reportable benefits that will keep them paying my invoices that's kind of how I feel but I'm happy for you to change my mind yeah yeah you know, I don't want to sit on the fence with this. I know that's not what you're after, but my immediate reaction whenever I'm, uh, I encounter this question or this barrier is that it, they're complementary. They work really well together, not in isolation. So I would never say to a client, just implement traditional PR, or just implement digital. Um, they've got to work together. And that's when you get the best results. So if a client comes to me and says, look, I don't believe in PR, I just want to do, I just want to spend £40,000 on doing SEO or Google AdWords, or whatever, I'll say, okay, but if you add PR, traditional PR into the mix, you're going to boost your visibility even more because what you're getting is real personalization, which you don't necessarily get from just doing digital with traditional pr you can really personalize your brand so you know the, there are competitors everywhere and so a lot of companies now i'd say majority of companies are spending on digital marketing because everyone talks about digital you've got to do digital 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 and traditional pr is not dying out i don't care what people say out the evidence here and the fact that we have in the last two years we've had the busiest traditional PR activity going on in our agency than we've ever had in the 17 year history that Rose Media has been has been going for. We've secured the highest level of press clippings and press coverage in traditional PR outlets than we've ever had. And so it's not dying and the evidence is there and I'm all about the evidence. I'm an evidence-based PR professional. I don't do PR puff and fluff. That's not me at all. So I know what I'm talking about because I've seen it. You know what? One of our stories that we did for Woburn Safari Park. Yes, it's fluffy animals. Um, they have celebrities at the park. They have children at the park. So you combine animals, children, celebrities. Of course, I've got the first class PR story that's going to hit, you know, the six o'clock evening news. Um, so it's got all the elements of great PR. But that aside, we had a fantastic story regarding their pride of lions. There were baby cubs that were born during lockdown. We issued the story um, of which, you know, the, 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 the media were very active, as we know, during the last two years. Um, we, within a 48 hour period of releasing this story, secured just under 300 pieces of press coverage. We've never had, we've never secured that level of coverage ever in the 17 years that I've been trading. Um, and it was a record level of press coverage. And so PR, what that did for the safari park was 
pivot them, position them on this pedestal within the national press, within consumers, businesses, all types of audiences globally. And when they reopened, you couldn't get tickets. They were fully booked out. So it had an immediate sales impact on bookings, on their visibility. Um, it was per personal branding. That's what PR did, which online would not have achieved just online PR alone. They were on broadcast TV, they were in print media. And so we were able to talk to journalists on a one-on-one, -on -one, and that's what PR is about, one-on-one, -on -one, talking um, to uh, influencers, who persuading them to feature our client, to raise the visibility of our client's brand, of their name, key messages around what they do, why they do it, um, and it supported their sales strategy as well. So that's what PR did. PR complemented their social media because that Safari Park were very active on their social media, which is the digital marketing aspect of PR. And traditional PR really complemented and boosted their sales. So if we, if they hadn't have engaged us and they hadn't have asked us to send out a press release, which is traditional PR, and to talk to journalists, again, traditional PR, we wouldn't have secured that press coverage. They wouldn't then have got their record number of bookings when they reopened after lockdown. So I hope that example kind of explains um, how traditional PR can, can work. Um, but yeah, it, it's absolutely um, can be very beneficial to, to companies. Okay, good. So challenge number one, overcome. Let's just say that. I think you're 100% right. I also talk to people about, I call it integrated marketing. So they call it the marketing mix. They call it all of these things. But the truth is, for me, marketing essentially is about having all of these supports in your business, all of the different flavors of, of digital, of PR, of advertising, of knocking on doors, of whatever it is. Because then what you can do is you can start to judge which of those are actually effective for you, you know, and then you can kind of start to turn the screw and make your marketing more effective and efficient. That's 100%. That's the right answer. What I think is a little bit different from from what you're like. So traditional marketing still works, still flies. I think that PR is really valuable in digital marketing because there's a friend of mine who also teaches digital marketing. He talks about what's gone on in the last 20 years as the 21st century publishing swindle or scandal, because what's happened is that the, the internet has evolved to become super content hungry. So Google has convinced us, the social media channels have convinced us that we have to be producing content over and over and over again. And I think that's where a PR company is really useful. You can just churn out rubbish like everyone does, or you can engage with a PR company and get them to come in and find the actual stories in your business and make your business newsworthy. And the other thing that I've said to people, so I'm probably going to, I want to cover off all the all the ways that, that this might be useful, um, is that the media used to be something that you had to pay for and now it's essentially free you know that channel has gone you can step up you can take as much media as you like so people should 
And then I think the third way that this is really useful is in terms of search engine optimization. Everybody wants links. People want really high quality links. And the best links that we've secured for our customers over the, the last 20 years are where we've managed to convince a journalist that the BBC online, look, here's a really interesting, funky story, and they'll publish it, and it will sit there forever, and Google will go, okay, the BBC are referring to this website, it's got to be good, and you'll see a step change in, in their rankings. So I think that PR, and, and some of the stuff that you're, like, you're talking about influencers, you've been influencing people for the last 25 years, the internet's only been interested in influencers for like the last five years. Do you know what I mean? Like we talk about Max Clifford being the reputation manager. Well, reputation management is a key part now of digital marketing. They've only been concerned about that for the last five years. So I think the fact that media's changed, it's still media is what I'm saying. And now actually more than ever, you know, it was social for a period of time. But that's over. Now it's media. You pay for it. You know, there's no social aspect to this anymore. So I see, I see PR as being really valuable as a component of digital marketing. Yeah, I, I, and I, I, I agree with that as well. Um, yes, I come from a traditional PR background, but everything that we send out to journalists now um, has links, you know, our links to our clients' websites, uh, links to um co content that's um you know that's really valuable that we think is valuable to the to the reader um, and getting those links back is what we ultimately want to have so that it is affecting website traffic visibility search engines yeah that's all kind of given now um and everything we do is geared towards towards that so all of our press releases um we do quite a lot of photo we we we, we target um photo desk editors so we work with a lot of visual content as well video content um so the urls um, on our clients websites and directing um the journalists um to those links is really important now is crucial and that's what our clients are looking for they're looking for increased website traffic you know so we have to produce content that is really focused on link building link link generation um and, and that can be quite challenging that not all journalists will openly happily include links um to the content even though we include it in press releases and that's where relationship building is really important um and because as an agency, we actually work in very specific markets. So we now work, we reposition the agency and we work um, within um, manufacturing and engineering industries and more specifically within green energy space. Um, so companies working within sustainability, uh, that's really our, our bag now. So we are focusing our efforts to journalists that are influential in the um, kind of net zero space and making sure that our clients are visible on, on their, those particular websites because there's a lot of very influential uh, green energy um, uh, spaces now online. There's lots of groups been set up, forums, committees, um, all sorts now. And so it's very, very active online. So digital marketing is really key now for us working in these um, kind of emerging kind of sectors that are now coming up. So, yeah, uh, it, we really have to make sure that as an agency, we are really on top of 
the best routes to market online. Excellent. Fantastic. So we're on the same page there. That's good. So we you are, specialize yeah. in the manufacturing. And I, I just think this is overlooked. I think that, I mean, especially now I'm speaking to you, I think this is overlooked. I think more people should engage more PR companies. They should engage more PR companies like yours. So who are your clients and what is it that you do for them and how do you add value? What kind of value do you add to their lives? Yeah, so we repositioned the agency, Martin, earlier this year, actually, um, realising that our expertise and where we're delivering the most uh, effective results are within M&E, so manufacturing and engineering industry um, industries, like I, like I mentioned. And more specifically, my background, as I mentioned earlier, right at the start, is within aviation. Um, so more niche the market, the better. So we are now uh, focusing our efforts on supporting companies working within um, very specific niche technical markets within M&E, uh, manufacturing and engineering. So we are very interested in uh, sustainability. Yes, it's it's a really, you know, everyone's talking about it now. It's really topical. It's right up our street. I've been working within these sectors for years now. It's not something that's just come onto our agenda. We're very, very interested and passionate about companies that are influence, influencing the decarbonisation um, kind of discussions. Um, and targets. So we are specifically working in targeting electric vehicle manufacturers, um, manufacturers within the hydrogen fuel cell technology uh, areas as well. And actually, that's become my specialist area, believe it or not. And um, I don't know if you know, Martin, but I'm, um, I'm really geeky. And um, I'm really proud of that. You know, I'm known as a glamorous geek. And uh, I'm really proud of that title. In fact, I might change my job title to Chief Geek a glamorous geek and um you know it's uh, something that has evolved over the years as well because i'm very much as i mentioned earlier again about the evidence so um i like to back up everything that i uh, kind of claim with facts figures stats and working within very technical sectors is uh, is perfect for this kind of approach where it is very evidence-based um so uh Reaching net zero is obviously on on everyone's agenda now, no matter what company industry that you're you're in. So we are now targeting companies um, to um, work with them to increase their visibility, to raise their profiles, to support their sales strategies as well um, within all the emerging markets within you know the green energy space. Um, so we've been working with companies like Panasonic Europe, where they're looking at the electrification of society. Uh, electrification, as we know, is everywhere now. Um, you just have to look at the electric vehicle market and look how that's just totally um, evolved. You know, it almost seems daily now that they're, you know, it's in the news every day, even talking about electric vehicle batteries and those gigafactories. It's just it's so interesting, so interesting. I find it fascinating. And the amount of money that's being invested now um, within startups, you know, it's an emerging tech and it's just fascinating. So as an agency, we're now really focusing and specialising in working with companies now within these spaces. Um, and so 
we are you know upskilling my team um we're retraining we are um kind of researching and just trying to make sure that we're really staying on top of what's happening within these sectors so that we can deliver the right services and have the right knowledge because it is very technical it is very specific you do need to know about government regulations um you do we do need to know who the industry bodies are within these areas so there's a lot of work that we need to do behind the scenes to make sure that we as an agency can support our clients in the right areas so that we can deliver PR that's going to be effective for them. But, you know, going back to kind of what it is that we can do for our clients, you know, we, gosh, we can do all sorts, Martin, and it really does depend what their ultimate business goal is. But when we talk about PR, primarily what we're finding is that our clients want to be in the press. They want to be in the media. They want to be talked about. They want to be read about. So for us, it's about generating press coverage. So it's getting those clippings. And in terms of PR and what, what, how we can add value to our clients, it's, yes, generating those press clippings. You know, they want to be viewed by their prospects, by their customers, and that's where we come in. They want, you know, we want to get the media impressions and media impressions is really, really key here. And, you know, the, the number the number of impressions um, is what, you know, where where our success um, lies and our clients are looking for the right the right impressions in the right areas. So, you know, looking at publications that we need to target and how many people are reading um, that publication is really important. And are they the right people? Um, there's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes in terms of the again going back to the research and make sure that we're targeting the right the right um, publications. We look at content. You touched on content earlier as well, and we do a lot of content analysis. So where we can add value is producing the right content and then analysing that content effectiveness through website traffic. So looking at the amount of traffic. Uh, that is being driven um, is the content driving traffic to the website and the right pages on the website. So we use Google Analytics to monitor website traffic. We look at social media mentions as well. So we look at you know the conversations being had around our client's brand and what type of conversations. Um, yeah, it's really it's really interesting in terms of PR and what's involved. Yes. And so when you talk about publications, are these kind of print publications? Are these online and offline publications? It's mixture. It's a mixture. It really, yeah. It is it is a real mixture of online and offline publications. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of working with um agencies that maybe are a bit more traditional but understand um digital as well. And if you can combine two, that's where that's I think the success that we've had is that we have been a traditional PR agency, like most PR agencies that are long established, that have been around a long time. We have come from a traditional background. So I think that puts us in a very strong position because we understand content. We, you know, we, we, we talk about content, you know, content is king, content is queen, whatever, whatever term you want to use. But we've been generating content from year dot. That's all yes. I've been doing. It's not a new thing. People think it's a new thing. It's not. You know, 
when I was studying, you know, in the late 90s, you know, for my degree, I, I was writing content back then. That's it's always been around. It's been at the heart of what I've been doing for years now. What the trick here is, is that you've got to produce the, the right. It's easy to produce content, but you've got to produce the right content for the right platform. So content that we would produce for a print magazine will be different to producing it for an online publication because the online will be about putting in the right links, using the right terminology, the right phrases, the right keywords. It might be shorter, more succinct. Um, having said that, you know, you can get blogs of different lengths. So we produce blogs that are quite short and sweet, but we'll also produce blogs that are 800 to 2000 words. And it'll be full of amazing content and keywords and subheadings and tags, H1 tags, H2 tags, all sorts of things. So what we write for online will be different for print. And I think that's the beauty of, you know, going back to what I said earlier and what I have learned is that the traditional and modern, what I call modern and more digital work hand in hand. And so it actually as an agency takes us longer now to write content because we don't just write one piece of content. So let's say um, a client of ours is launching a new product because that would make a great PR story if the product is a bit more unique, unusual, emerging tech, whatever it happens to be, whatever that story is. So in the past, we would have just written one press release, one main headline, maybe a subheading, a few nice images. We'll send it off to 10 publications as a pre one press release. It won't have many uh, links in it. It will just maybe have the website link in it. And that's it. Today, now what happens is it will have a story, but we'll end up writing potentially five, six, seven, eight different pieces of content off the back of that one story. Because we would break up with our media list, for example. Um, let's talk about, um, okay, for one of my clients, they're a nuts, bolts and screws manufacturer. And um, we have a media list that's got about 80 different magazines on there. And that media list is broken into manufacturing publications, engineering publications, um, uh, fastener publications, um, supply chain publications, management publications, business publications. Oh, it's broken down and it's segmented because each of those publications has a different audience, different readership. And they'll want to have a different angle to that story. So just sending out a general um, nuts, bolts and screws story about this new product won't necessarily be of interest to um, the investment press or the manufacturing press who might want to know more about the industry, industry for content. Um, it, it needs to be aligned, the story needs to be aligned to the specific press. And so content has become quite complicated, I'd say, and more time consuming these days. I think, what do I think? I think 100% mm -hmm. it, it has, if you're doing it properly, because the other thing that's going on is that 99.9% .9 of people are just throwing shit at the wall and hoping that something will stick. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I, th I don't think that makes your job easier necessarily because you've got to kind of navigate that, but it will make your content stand out. And I think exactly. the other thing that you're saying that's right is 100% right is, so for example, when I teach, there will be, let's say it's going really well there might be 50 people there 
and five of them will be traditional marketers who are petrified of digital marketing. But yeah. what I always say is that you are much better off knowing marketing and stepping into digital marketing because then you've just got to learn where the buttons are. Whereas if you only know digital marketing, you only know where the buttons are, you know. So I think yeah. that's really important. I agree with that. Okay, so here's a question. I don't believe that PR is dying, but you made a defense that it's not dying. I believe you're 100%. I really don't think it is. But they've been saying now for 25 years that print is dying. Um, what's, what's your experience of that? Is print as valuable as it ever was? Yeah, I think within the manufacturing and engineering industries, um, what we're finding is that they are a bit more traditional. So um, print, um, yesterday I opened up my post box at work, for an example, and I pulled out 20 magazines out of my post box. I hadn't checked my work post box for a few days. Um, and I said to the rest of my team, we've got all these magazines um, to go through. Um, and um, we had a big, big discussion actually about print magazines, believe it or not, yesterday. And it's not dying and our clients are still pulling out magazines they'll flag them up to us because they've landed on their desk um and they still value them and that's the feedback we're getting from our clients and i think if i wasn't hearing that from my clients i would be leaning towards thinking maybe print isn't that important but i think within certain sectors um, and it is sector relevant um it, it is still important and i think certain industries are a little bit more traditional where you've got um people that still do value magazines reading a physical publication rather than online and i think with a physical publication um that there are there are certain magazines that have fallen by the wayside that have now closed up um, and they've gone completely online and and, and that, that, that's fine um but print publications do still have a place within certain sectors and they are still valued by our clients is our experience. I mean, look at when you go into um, shops um, and have a look at the uh, magazines, you know, going to supermarkets, the shelves are still stacked with print magazines. You know, that hasn't lessened, that hasn't reduced down in size, that's still there. And that, that's the evidence that's, that's still around to showcase that. So my, my view is that there's still a place for um, business to business, because that's where we work, we work in the business to business space mainly, um, is still alive and kicking. And that's why we still value, value that. But I'm not dissing um, online at all. And in fact, what we do, Martin, actually, which is really interesting here now, is that when we work with clients, we say to them, let's work on digital, so online publications and traditional. Traditional lead time is around three months. So it would take us around three months to secure um, coverage within a print magazine because it can it takes time to get our client's name in a print magazine. Online is pretty much instant. So what we do, and it works beautifully, is that by doing both, so writing that press release and then writing a couple of a few versions of that press release for an online marketplace as well, We'll issue it out to a magazine that's got a print version and an online version. It will go online onto their website and on their social channels almost within days if it's the right story. Um, and then it will appear in print a couple of months, two to three months later. 
So we've got two bites of the cherry and it works brilliantly. And that's how we've succeeded as an agency by marrying up online and print and getting our story out multiple times. Does that make sense? Yeah, it really does. And I'm not surprised to hear you say that. And I'm not surprised, like you say, the, the shops are still full of magazines. You know, I can't remember the last time I bought a magazine or a newspaper or even looked at a magazine or a newspaper. I think I might have looked at, I'm into surf photography, so I might have looked at a surf magazine maybe about 18 months ago. Um, yeah. But they have their place. And I think kind of the theme for the for me a little bit is about this integrated marketing kind of idea which is it all goes hand in glove um you know the, the the issue the danger might be that you get pulled to the digital because it it's pretty alluring do you know what i mean it's like not only can we get you the coverage but also we can register the clicks and we can report on all of those things but i yeah. think it's clearly a huge part of the market a huge fraction of the market is online but it's not the entire market yet and i think the danger is no. that businesses will miss out on business that isn't necessarily online or will miss out on touch points that aren't online you know or yes. you know exactly. so yeah yeah it, you're right that word i love that word touch point that you've just used and that's exactly it martin is those touch points and again it goes back to the research that we do right at the beginning we find out what those touch points are who are the audiences? So who does the client want to reach? Once we've worked that out in the actual, we go down to the specifics of job titles of people. So what job title do they hold? What department are they in? What's their job? What do they do? How influential are they? And what media spaces are they influenced by? So for example, in manufacturing and engineering, we target quite a few facilities managers, um, project managers, consultants, and they are using kind of LinkedIn as one of their media um, sources. Um, they're staying in touch with the news via member organizations and receiving newsletters from industry bodies. Um, so having um, some coverage within a, a newsletter that's being sent out by an industry body of which our client is a member of is really effective. And that's more traditional, um, but also also appearing and being um, uh, appearing on social media um, within the, the mag the, by, by magazines by the right publications is also really key as well and that's what we're finding some of our clients say look we want our we want the the magazine that's the top magazine in our sector to do a shout out of our company on their social media channels you know that's that's a brief we've been given we want them to kind of, you know, kind of mention us on their social media and to feature us on their LinkedIn group. Um, and that's really interesting. So it means that we've then got to write social posts and write content for a social media audience. And again, it goes back to the content, you know, we've got to write so many different types of content now to secure coverage across multiple outlets and platforms so it's really it can be really challenging now for for agencies like us to to, to nail that content you yes. know um it, it's it's and, and so having really good in-house content writers and you talked about you know copywriters and pr people that's when you know if an agency has a really great cracking copywriters that can write copy for particular audiences and then you've got pr people that can then 
pitch out that copy correctly and, and really persuasively to the journalist, then you're going to get coverage across so many different outlets that hit the mark yes. because it's been really targeted and written in the right way. And, and that's it. That, that, that's exactly it. That's when PR will work really well in today's world when you've written content specifically for the right outlet for the right individual reading it, you've literally married it up. And that's what's really changed, I'd say, in the last, you know, five, six years. Um, and that's why I've got all these grey hairs, Martin, because to keep up to date and to be on the pulse of it, well, it's changing all the time. Oh, my goodness, it's exhausting now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So that brings us then to the question. So let's imagine somebody actually watches this and then they have feelings <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I am feeling exhilarated and excited and I should have PR in my business and in my life. Yeah. Here's the thing that occurs to me is that I think agency, like the idea of agency is really important in marketing. It's important that somebody comes from outside of your business and looks at your business more from a customer's perspective if they can. But I think it's even more important in PR, like the amount of businesses like businesses can't look at what they're doing and see it as being newsworthy. You know, they can't build up the relationships with all of the journalists, the platforms, the, the blah, the blah, the blah. That, that's what occurs to me. What are your recommendations? I'm excited and exhilarated now about the idea of PR. What, what would I do? How, how would I go about realizing PR for my business? Uh, hire us. I, I think that almost. <laughs> um, so how would you bring it to life? How would you make it work for you? You think, you know, you want some PR, but you're not quite sure. That's the question here, isn't it? How to bring it to life, how to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think beyond that, I want some, not, I'm, I, I'm going to invest in PR. What, what should, I think you're right. I think you have to employ an agency to do this. I think. It's a bit like there's that stupid adage, isn't there? Where um, have you heard this one? Where the guy, and maybe it's right. Where they, they're at a cocktail party or something, and the guy likes the girl. And so, what's the difference between advertising? Maybe it is. What's the difference between advertising and PR? It should be. What's the difference between advertising and PR? So. Um, I can't even remember what it is, but it's something like if I go and tell this girl I've got a lot of money, that's advertising. If I get my mate to go and tell her to tell her that yeah. I've got a lot of money, yeah. that's that's PR or something. It's something like that. That's it. That's but exactly it. But it's almost like, but that's your job also. So you're going to the journalist and saying, hey, this business is really great and they've got some yeah. really cool things going on. Whereas if I'm a business and I go to them, of course, I'm going to say that about myself, you know. Yeah. So it feels yeah. to me almost like it has to be an agency. Yeah, there's, there's arguments for and against this. I can see both because I've done both. I've worked in-house. I've been an in-house PR person promoting the company I work for. And I've also obviously got my agency. So I've done both. So I can see both sides of it. And I was um, I was great at all of it. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so let, let, let's think about this. Okay, it's a good question, a very good question. So with an agency... Yeah, so we, personally, I always play devil's advocate. That's my job. And that's why my clients now work directly with, with, with myself. 
and a lot of our clients now you know the average length of time clients have worked with me and my agency is around 10 years now so it is long so they stay with us and the reason why they stay with us is because we question them so we don't like you said you know it's probably probably a bit easier to kind of bring an agency in to to blow to blow the client's trumpet in a way um to blow your own trumpet is quite hard you and martin you and i know this to to market yourself i actually find it quite hard to promote my own agency and to promote myself i actually get my team other people to promote me and promote the agency it's much easier um, when you're a little bit removed from it so to have an agency come in and promote you is going to be more effective because we will look at it in a different way so we will you know we are trained it's our job to look at your brand to look at your stories your potential stories and to work out what's really going to be newsworthy end of the day that's what pr is it's news isn't it it's about a story that's going to be of interest to other people yes um and what you think is interesting might not actually be and we come across this quite a lot as well you know we'll be contacted by companies who will say i want to be on the front page of the times newspaper um because we've just won an award and you think uh, okay right that ain't gonna happen <laughs> it's can, just I just not... in, can i just interject yeah a hundred percent of the time that a business owner thinks they've got something that's really interesting going on in their business, it's not very interesting. That's my experience. I've only worked with like a thousand businesses, so you know, it's not a huge <laughs> sample. But every time somebody, like, it, the thing is that businesses are so ego driven, you know, they just are. So individuals, business owners, managing directors, managers, it's always so ego driven. And that's why I think agency is really important in marketing is because they they want to think it's all about them, but it's not all about them. It has to be about their their customers from a pure marketing perspective. And it has to be about their audience or the readerships of the press from a PR perspective, you know. So 100 yeah. percent of the time, like the thing that they're most excited about, the thing that they're most proud of is 100 percent of the time the least interesting thing in their business. I, I, yeah. I, I, I really believe that. Yeah, and I, I agree. And then that's where we come in because so we'll kind of turn it around and where a company will just want to plug a product, just literally talk directly about themselves. What we do is we turn it around and we look at the customer that they're trying to attract and look at it from their point of view. And it's usually about the value that the company can add rather than just the product USPs that they're yes, trying yes, to yes, promote. Yes. You know, and that's our job and that's what we do. So we look at it and we basically kind of usually just ignore what our client is asking, ignore them. And then we would just come up with our own kind of take on it. And invariably, our client will trust us with that and we'll kind of run with it. But it's um, our job as the agency to recognize the, the, the story that might be of interest here. Um, and if it isn't, we'll tell our client because it doesn't do us any favors at all to try and um, you know push a story well a, a so-called story that really isn't a story that's just not going to do anybody any any favors at all so what a client will think is a story often isn't and it will be our job to advise them accordingly and say well actually um, it's not quite that you've just launched this product I mean yes that's obviously um, news in that you've launched a product but it's 
what this product is doing to solve a problem that our, your customer may have. And that's what we need to look at. You know, what is the solution that you've got? How is it solving a problem? How can it add value? How can it change your client's life? And let's promote that rather than just the actual um, nuts and bolts of just this product. Um, so yeah, it's just turning it around and that's that's really our, our job. Um, and being really honest and transparent with our client. I know a lot of companies say that, but what we do is that my job personally, I'm very good at you know putting our client on the spot and really drilling in on exactly what it is that that makes them a bit different um the word unique is overused so you know we have to go beyond that um and really home in on the intricacies of what it is they are doing that can change lives wow it's that dramatic cool. it has to be because there's too many companies now especially in the spaces that we're working in martin that there's a lot of competitors around there's a lot of other agencies working for companies that are also pushing out the same press releases that we're going to be pushing out. So how are we, we when we work with companies, we are thinking about that. How is our press release going to grab the attention of that journalist within 10 seconds? What's yes. going to make them open up that email or read that email or listen to us on the phone, not put the phone down on us within 10 seconds. We've only got 10 seconds. Literally, that's all we have now. Um, slight, maybe slightly different with some trade journalists because they will have a bit more time with us because we've built up relationships with them. So they will take our call. They will read our email now because that's the heart of my agency is all about relationships. We're not about volume. We're about quality. So when we've done our research, we talk to the journalist. Our aim is to become the go-to. So what we want is that the journalist will actually phone us and say, Anila, um, Rose Media, what have you got? What news have you got? And that's what's happening now. You know, we I've been doing this a long time. I know the game because it is a game. We play a game. It's a game yes. with the journalists. You know, we know how to play it. We know what we need to do. We know how to attract their attention. And what's happening now is that they're calling us and they're phoning us and they're saying, right, Anila, what's happening with your clients? What are they doing? What are they up to? What are they launching? And you know you've nailed it as an agency when you you're reacting to media requests you're not having to go out to them they're coming to us and that's what's happening now which is brilliant doing Good. something right <laughs> you must be yeah so if they do really do want to do it themselves then what they need to do is they need to immerse themselves and really understand the relevant media whatever that might be they yeah. need to be able to build relationships with the content producers, journalists, producers, whoever it is in that media. And then yeah. they need to be able to find ways of presenting their business in a newsworthy way. The better alternative is to pick up the phone and speak to Anila Rose PR. I, I'm with you 100%. Feels like we got to the end. Yeah. Um, yes, I think so I, maybe we we've don't done know. a I, lot we i think we might have yeah. done an hour and a half brilliant okay amazing yeah i've been really nice talking to you martin um, cool right so the only thing that's outstanding is you need to recommend two people that you think would be interested to do this with me and um 
you have to give me their names because people can't be trusted. They say, oh, I'll email you something, and then they never do. I'm not saying that you're anything less than trustworthy. I'm just not going <laughs> to give you the opportunity to be untrustworthy. Who do you think would be interested to have this chat and who might be interesting? Well, I can certainly give you one name and I can okay. think of um, someone that I've known of for um, a while now. Um, and that's, um, I mean, I haven't spoken to him. I don't know. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Don't worry, I'll do the outreach. It will be okay. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll message them... him and say, Anila insisted that you talk to me. <laughs> yeah, no, do that. And he'll probably run a mile. I'll be like, oh, no, not <laughs> Anila. Um, so Nigel Lamb. L-A-M-B-E, Nigel Lamb. He is the CEO of the Sussex Innovation Centre. Um, so I think he took over... From Mike Hurd. He, yes, he took over from Mike Hurd. And Mike Hurd I've known for such a long time now. And he took over from Mike Hurd, that's right. And I think in 2015, 16, so maybe about seven seven or so years ago. And, and he's really interesting because he, um, Nigel... He um, set up what was it? A small batch, small batch coffee. Um, okay. And he he, if I remember rightly, he did um, he grew it from something like a hundred and eighty six thousand pound turnover to something like over four million turnover. Um, wow! In incredible, incredible business. And then he went and set up, co-founded Brighton Gin, I believe. Okay. Um, and so he is um, a very esteemed, knowledgeable, very successful businessman and in investor. And now he heads up the Sussex Innovation Centre. And he's someone that I've, um, I bumped into him actually again at the Sussex Business Awards a few weeks ago. And we were chatting and we were due to meet up. Um, but yeah, I think it just reminded me that actually he would be someone that I think would be really enlightening and really interesting to talk to. He's a very jovial Irishman um, and uh, loads of per big personality. And I think he'd be great to interview. Fantastic. Okay, cool. I'm going to reach out to him. That's interesting. I don't know. Do you remember? Did you know Melanie Farmer? Yes, I do. Yes. yes. I did this with yeah. Melanie Farmer yeah. about six months ago. And yeah. um, that's really interesting because she was talking about her time at the Innovation Centre, Sussex Innovation Centre. But now she's involved in, an, in a consultancy. She's advising the Australian government on health matters oh. and um, communications wow. and those kinds of things. So that would be really interesting. I'm going to push you. If I had to, if you had to give me another name, who, whose name oh. would you give me? Oh, I would really have to think about that. Um, I'm trying to think of business people. I mean, there's, I mean, with one of my clients, I'm just thinking whether there's a female um, that I look up to, um, who works at, you know, I mentioned earlier about the um, nuts, bolts and screws manufacturing company that I work with. Now, yes. their global, one of their global directors there is a female and she's, um, oh, she'll be, she'll be squirming when I say this because she shies away a little bit from um, acknowledging that she is um, a leader in her industry. But Glenda Roberts, is the Trifast PLC is a global leading uh, individual um, within the fastenings market. Now it sounds a little bit of a dry subject, but it's not. It is fascinating because nuts, bolts, and screws affects all of us in daily life. 
So it's a product that is re totally relatable. And one of the, well, they've got a number of strap lines for the business. And one of the ones that we used years ago is you'd be screwed without us. And um, we love that. And Glenda is a formidable character. She is incredible um, in terms of her knowledge. She's a female in what is a very male dominated global industry. And she has really made her mark and she's incredible. And I think she's fascinating to talk to and she speaks her mind. And I think, I think, you know, if you're pushing me, I, I would talk to her now, whether she's got the time to talk to you, I think she'd only probably have about 45 minutes at the most. She is okay. all over the place, but I, I would recommend her actually. Okay, good. I'm messaging these people as you speak. <laughs> because oh, no. this is the only way the, yeah. this is the only way the ball keeps rolling you know it's the it's the only way or else i keep going back to people i know already and that's my yeah place. yeah there is someone else i could potentially give you a third um and only because i'm just thinking it's so interesting what they do and a lot of people don't know about it and um it's another client but um um lee panit of scarecrow group now scarecrow because I've lee got planet lee panit p a double n e double t p a double n e double t yep lee panit he's the ceo the md of scarecrow group he's another client of mine i've worked with him now for 17 years um they martin what they do is they produce um bioacoustic equipment that's used around the world to scare birds at airports to prevent bird strike now if you remember the hudson river plane crash yes if you remember it's a while ago now a number of years ago what 10 years ago i think um it was i was watching it live on the news i remember it vividly and they cited birds as bringing down the plane and as it was being reported, I contacted my client Scarecrow and said, look, turn on the news, plane's gone down, it's in the River Hudson right now, and they think it's through bird strike. And I got my client on Sky News immediately. And it's wow. amazing. And it's so topical, it's so interesting, because as a result of COVID in the last two years, airports have been really quiet. And what's been happening at the birds have been going back to uh, runways, and there's a potential problem around the world. And so they've been really busy. Wow. Um, it's really interesting. And to be honest, you'd never fly again if you knew what was going on with bird <laughs> strikes. Bird strikes happen every day at pretty much every airport around the world. You just don't hear wow. about it. It's really interesting. So I definitely, um, I would talk to Lee. I think it's fascinating, actually. Okay. Do you think it'll be okay if I reach out to these? I'll just drop them a message yeah, saying, and Neela Rose. Just mention my name. Okay, just cool. say, yeah, just mention my Lee, Lee's brilliant. Uh, whether he'll do it or not, I don't know. I, I I will I'll talk to him and just say look just do it for God's sake. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, this is <laughs> nice because what you've time. also done is you've kind of given people a nice preview of what might be happening in upcoming episodes. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, is this? Yeah, we're okay. still going. Yeah, Anila, <laughs> I have thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Is there anything Martin. that you should have said that you haven't said, or is there anything that you did say that you should Probably. have said? Yeah, probably. But hey, you know, this is me. This is what I'm about. You know, um, love, you know, I've been doing PR such a long time. But you know, I'm, um, I love learning. I love evolving. I love reinvention, you know, so 
you know um anything new that comes up I'm, I'm on it you know i don't shy away from change or anything like that so i love you know you've said a few things on this call as well that have you know i listen to and you think yeah that's absolutely right because you come at it from the digital point of view don't you and i'm probably a little bit more traditional so actually coming together on this um is i find fascinating so i think the only thing i'd want to say is that you know i think people watching this listening you know don't be scared of just you know reinventing yourself as well which is what i've done and i yes. do it continually i do i don't i think remaining static is dangerous i think it's it's um, not conducive to success these days you know to be successful you've got to be open to listening to other people who are experts and that's pretty much what I do now. I love talking to other people that have been there, that have done it, have made mistakes, that have failed. And actually, you come back stronger from it. And a lot of us know know that success comes from failure. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I've really enjoyed talking to you. And, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to voice my opinion and my thoughts here. It's only a pleasure. And I think we've said plenty that should be useful to people if they are interested in being successful i think the sooner people get on this pr thing um the sooner they will be successful that's what i think thank you martin only a pleasure thank you so much anila and i will see you speak to you soon i'm sure thank you take care